Hey friends, welcome to the Next Step Leadership Podcast, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step. I'm Tracy Reynolds, and my partner for the Next Step Journey is Chris Maxwell. Together we hope to inspire, assist, and create the confidence you need to take your next step in your personal growth, spiritual growth, vocation, or even your calling. Thanks for joining us. Well, come on, let's dive into this week's episode of Next Step Leadership. Hello, I'm Chris Maxwell, and I'm having conversations with uh, Tracy Reynolds. And uh, Tracy, talk to us about our guest today in the Next Step podcast. Absolutely. We are delighted to have Rick Womack with us. Uh, I love that when we get to have friends, people that we have history with, serving together and working together, and such is the case today. I'll tell a little bit about Rick. Rick uh, currently is the District Technology Specialist at Anderson School District. Uh, and uh, number three. That's uh, right. And um, I'm guessing that's Anderson, South Carolina. Yes, sir. How about that? And uh, he's also worked with Madison County Middle School as a former technology specialist. But I have known Rick as a pastor and a friend and someone who loves Next Generation and known your family. Uh, you studied uh, church revitalization at Southwestern Christian University, uh, studied at Emanuel College, graduated in the class of 1991. Is that right? That's right. Man, oh man, just means we're old. Married Patrice King Womack way back in 91 as well. That was a yeah, big year, huh? It was a big year. A lot going <laughs> on <then>. And have <laughs> uh, a son and daughter in law, uh, Josh and Madison. Right. And then your daughter, Alyssa. Yes. And uh, I remember the first church I remember you associated with was Church of the Nations. And then you were part of the LifePoint Conference Board and uh, a lead pastor in Hartwell. But we are delighted to have you with us today, Rick. It's been a while. Thank you, Tracy. I'm honored to be here. I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you guys today. Yeah. And I I think as he's kind of giving a little bit of your bio, one of the parts of your life story that means so much to me is just uh, the friendship that we've had over the years. And I'm thinking now about uh, those times that you were a part of um, a men's prayer group uh, that we met regularly together. It was an accountability team, and we asked each other those difficult uh, but needed questions. And yeah. We also encouraged one another. We laughed together, cried together, prayed together. Those were some nice times, Rick. Yeah. I love those. Yeah, those were very formative, important times in my life, Chris. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Uh, for for our audience, uh, Tracy and I uh, have the honor of knowing you uh, for a while, but uh, tell us more of your story. Yeah, so I won't go back too far. I'll just take you back about uh, two, maybe three years ago or so. Um, in ministry full-time at that point, and uh, this was pre-COVID. Of course, COVID seems to be a defining mark for a lot of people. And um, pre-COVID, things were uh, trucking along, doing very well, excited about the ministry, the church, the growth, uh, the opportunities. Um, but uh, just internally, I think, I had some um, some maybe rumblings going on, if you will, of, of what uh, may be coming or what may be coming in my own life. So... Um, Fast forward, you know, to about 18 months or so ago, and I began to really consider whether or not uh, I was going to be able to remain in full-time ministry. Um, that was a difficult season of my life. And I'll, I'll just say this, that um, the times that Chris talked about that men's prayer group, those were formative, as I said, times for me because they 
gave me the foundation and the friendships that I needed to be able to go to people like Chris and others, just a handful of others to say, am I crazy here? You know, what's going on and, and why is this so difficult? And so, uh, yeah, just through that process, began to realize, you know what, I don't know that I can carry the weight of this any longer. I had a good friend of mine who, who was a bishop in the church, and he said, you know, Jesus died for the church. There's no need for you to. Mm. And so that was a, a, a statement that kind of kept coming back to my mind. And um, internally, I felt like I was dying because I was losing the dream that I had when we went to pastor in Compassion or in Hartwell at Compassion Church. It was, it was a, a, just a, a dream come true for us. It was everything we had ever wanted. It was, it was the people we had hoped to reach. It was the community that we loved. It was just um, everything was clicking along, and we, we were loving it. But the dream that was inside of me began to die. Mm. And that's a very disturbing thing. Yeah. And I think I wrestled with that for a while. I shared it with my wife some. Um, I don't know that she fully understood at the moment the gravity of what I was experiencing. Uh, it's interesting in this process, we've both been on two different timelines, but we found ourselves consistently strong for one another. Mm. And so that's been very helpful. When I'm at a point of having to make this decision, she's been strong. And then when she's at a point of having to process this part of the decision, mm. I've been able to be strong. So that's been very helpful. That's a beautiful balance in marriage, isn't it? <clears throat> it is, yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, you and Patrice have been married oh, 30 years now? 31 years, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So processing that together, uh, how was that like for, for a married couple? Uh, like you said, she didn't exactly see the gravity or where things were necessarily. And- yeah, I think initially she didn't know. She had heard the words that I was you know, um, dealing with some some death of a dream, and um, I don't know that she fully understood because at the same time, she was fully alive like I was because she too really enjoyed this ministry season of our lives. And so I I think it's always more difficult for the pastor's spouse, and um, I think they carry an, an untold weight that is not seen by anyone other than the pastor, most likely. But um, it was difficult. Um you know, 31 years of marriage, uh, you learn a thing or two, and you learn that uh, you need to be strong for one another, and you need to remain in one another's corner. And that's that's what we did. Yeah, we just we remained committed to that and to seeing that uh, the other person was going to be healthy on the other side of whatever stage of loss or grief they were going through. Mm. Yeah. What were some of the indicators that that you knew this this was a dying dream, as you've called it? That's a that's a, a, a powerful metaphor. Yeah, I think you know just the external indicators. Uh, I was beginning to see within the church. I was beginning to see the volunteer burnout. Mm-hmm. Um, church can be such a machine, and it's it's regrettable now that I've been away from it. I can see it a lot more clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be such a machine that it can really burn some people out. Um, I didn't want to acknowledge it in the moment. I think I just wanted to push through. And, um, you know, this is what I'm paid to do. This is what paid ministry is supposed to be about. So um, that was one of it. And then I think probably some some higher level conversations that were red flags for me, um, even outside of, you know, my own local setting. There were there were some red flags that I was beginning to see. 
And then, you know, just internally, those are all external. Internally, I think for me, it was just um, not having the desire and the the passion that I had at one time. Um, it was a chore. It was a chore to go through um, the ministry day in, day out, week in, week out. Yeah. So talk to us a little more about how you responded to that. You know, those feelings, the struggle, um, initially not letting yourself even deal with it at times, but then beginning to talk through and work through that of, of hey, let's, let's face the reality of where I am and what I'm struggling with right now. Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> having the voice of a counselor is important. At this point in the process of the death of a dream, um, I think anytime there's a loss in someone's life, I'll, I've always counseled people this and said this as a pastor that that you don't want to um, you don't want to make major decisions in the midst of heightened emotion. And so it became important for me, Chris, at that moment to find other people who were outside of the emotion of what I was experiencing to be able to. Um, use them as a sounding board to use them as a prayer partner to reach out to them and say this is what I'm what I'm feeling this is what I'm considering that was a very 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 small group of people but I would say this it's important that those people are the people that are in your corner and have your heart in their heart Mm -hmm. and they understand your heart Um, and so those people will sometimes say no to you and you have to you have to understand that when they say no they're saying no because your heart is in their heart, and they are they're trusting uh, you're trusting them in that moment that their no is a reasonable no because they're looking out for your greater good and for your greater future. Mm. Now, Rick, you had been involved in what as I've always known as bivocational ministry that you you had another job for right. most most of your ministry life, much much like myself. Yes, yes. That you you did more than one thing. Uh, so you were, uh, you mentioned a counselor, just having some, has that always been a piece of, of, of your, uh, your routine, having someone that you can speak to privately like that? No, unfortunately it has not. And that's one of those things that I would, I would say to anyone and everyone to embrace that, uh, person in your life early on. I think that, uh, perhaps had I had that person in my life. Now, I had wise counsel in the form of friends and prayer partners, um, but I did not have that professional with that objectivity and that ability to be able to say, you're not crazy for thinking this, or you are crazy for thinking this. Not that they would say that in a professional way, but uh, to be the person who could really help me process the thoughts and uh, the feelings that I was experiencing in that moment. It's important to have that early on. And I wish I had, but I did not. Mm. Yeah. Why do you Why do you think that pastors, in particular, struggle with yielding to finding a counselor? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think for one, I think pastors are afraid. I think they're afraid of uh, revealing their humanity mm. and their struggle. Um, I think pastors are often concerned that if they go there, if they reveal that humanity, they reveal any sort of a struggle, that it's perceived as weakness. Mm. Um, I think a second reason 
is perhaps that we in ministry find ourselves too often just looking ahead at what's next and not really embracing and understanding what's going on in the present. And uh, I think it's important for us to to slow down, to pause, as Chris has written about quite a, a bit, to pause and to take into consideration the present reality of what's happening. And I think pastors are afraid to do that. They move on to the next shiny object. You know, it's big, Rick. <clears throat> the trends are coming, so let's jump into that one. Uh, a new opportunity in this this life of looking out the window to see what's next instead of dealing with the real issue in where we are in our present situation. I want to just kind of push right at where you're, what you're talking about and where you are in the story um, because I can remember a lot of the conversations you and I had during that time. Um, how hard was it, how difficult was it for you to take the step of seeing the counselor? Yeah, I was pretty hesitant at first. Um, it was really at the prompting of my wife. It was at the prompting of uh, a close personal friend who said, you, you, have you thought about reaching out to this person? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the, the flip side of it, I've, I've encouraged the pastors to go and find that counsel. I would say also, if you're listening to this and you're the friend of a pastor, Mm. to encourage them also to seek that counsel, to find that person that they can uh, relate to professionally that can help them. Yeah, I was I was very hesitant, Chris. Um, but it, it took someone personally saying, you need to do this. It was almost permission giving. And I yeah. think a lot of people just need that permission. Isn't that sad, though, that, that we are um, just kind of wired with that reluctance to pursue help? We're willing to provide help and, and be there to give help to others, but when we are the ones in need of help, uh, we live in denial of that, calling it faith or whatever we want to call it. Right? Um, yeah. But it's sad to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a it's a perplexing situation because of the nature of ministry. We want to always be strong, and the reality is, is through you know three decades plus of ministry, I've seen so many leaders who are not strong. They put up a great facade. They they put on a great front. But internally, they're probably very broken, and they're very hurting. And um, that that hurt and that brokenness, much like I experienced, it will catch up with you in some way, in some capacity. It will catch up with you. You know, the the facade of thinking that people would prefer us to be strong uh, could not be further from the truth. The, The reality that my experience has been that his strength is truly made perfect in our weakness, and people connect far better when I share from a posture of not having arrived, not having it all together, allowing people to see my struggle and to see me bleed and, and to, to know that. And I don't mean uh, in a wrong way or a, a negative way, but just being honest about where we are, people relate to that and, and can open up to that. Yet in ministry, it just seems like we're just, for some reason, that we're just not allowed to do that. Yeah. Uh, some unwritten law somewhere. Yeah. It, it, you're right, Tracy. I think there is that, that notion that we have to present ourselves as all together, all together. <laughs> and we're not all together, all together. <laughs> <clears throat> all together, untogether at times. <laughs> For sure. Well, I want to push a little bit further into the same thing uh, because I'm thinking about 
the practicality of that. How would you uh, counsel someone to find a counselor? Because sometimes we know who to tell other people to go to, but who's a safe person for a pastor uh, to, to reach out to? What would, what would be some, some, some strategies for finding someone that would appropriately hear us? Yeah, I think the first thing you've got to do is just decide to do it. And mm-hmm. in real, the realistic, the reality rather is that most of us will will find an excuse much more quickly than we'll find a solution. Mm-hmm. And so, I think we're quick to find the excuse that I know everybody here; they'll find out, they know me, whatever. And I, you know, we've got the world at our fingertips with browsers and phones and every piece of technology available. Mm-hmm. There is no excuse for not finding someone. Mm. that can help you in this situation in any situation and i I, you know i would say that it may not be that the first person is the right fit so go to number two find the second person who can help you in that struggle um so yeah i think just Mm. find in and ask pastor friends i mean if you don't have any pastor friends then there's a red flag um, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, you That's need pastor. <clears throat> yeah, you need pastor friends, and if you don't have any, um, try to find some. Mm. But reach out to us, reach out to someone, and, and figure it out. But, might even be that church across the street, right? That's right. It might be. be that person just down the road. Yeah, I love what you said about friends that are in the ministry, uh, pastor friends. Uh, it might not be somebody in your church that you could actually go to, or it might be another leader. And unfortunately, not everybody has close relationships uh, in, in a church structure. And I, I think you might not be able to correct that in the moment. But like you said, like the importance of your friends, people that you had that were mentors in your life, people in your, that, that you had walked through these things with, and, and they were able to point you out. Uh, but don't say, I can't find anybody. That's just not not reality is it? that's right that's exactly right you you can find someone you just have to do the hard work of finding them yeah many of the people that you're friends with rick that have talked to you after what you've gone through um people who are you know from our culture they would be described as those who are leading well um but inside they are hurting what can you say to them I would say um, don't rush this process. The, the hurting that you're experiencing, the hurt that you've experienced, it needs to be reflected upon. It needs to be understood. It needs to be perhaps even dissected, taken apart to understand how did I get to this place? What brought me here? So that healing can take place much like if you go to an emergency room and you have an emergency that the doctor might quite likely ask you so what happened here and he's trying to understand what brought us to this point where there's a crisis in your life that you need my help and i think for those in ministry or difficult situations in the marketplace whether it's you know ceo or career or a coach or whatever you need to find the wherewithal to pause for a minute and say, what brought me to this place? How did I get here? And, and from that place, then you can begin to experience the healing. I, I heard and I've heard colleagues say before things such as, 
there's too much ahead of me for me to worry about what's behind me. And I understand the sentiment of that statement. But if you are wounded and if you're in a place of hurt or you are hurting, what's ahead of you is not nearly as important as what's going on within you in the moment. That's so good. At that moment. Yeah. yeah. Rick, Tracy and I just appreciate your honesty. Uh, Thank you. We appreciate your friendship um, and just kind of walking with you through a lot of the seasons of our lives together and seeing where you are now. I just want to say we love you. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to end this conversation, um, but we'll continue the dialogue in our next episode. Um, but for those who are listening, um, Tracy and, and Rick and I want to encourage each of you uh, we, we sort of end with this line to encouraging you to make your next steps your best steps. But what we want to do right now is to tell you to think about the scars from all the steps you have taken, uh, the wounds and the limps from your many, many steps of leadership. And just stop for a moment and evaluate your condition. Pursue help, the right help from the right people as soon as you can. And do not try to uh, endure this journey alone and do not take steps alone. So our argument is you can make better steps in the future if you're um, allowing better care to be taken of your own life. Mm -hmm. And to each of you, we pray God would give you peace. And uh, we hope you will listen again to our next episode in this conversation with Rick. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on Next Step Leadership, the weekly conversation dedicated to your personal growth and leadership development. Chris and I are so glad you dropped in. You can find us on all your favorite podcast providers. Do us a favor and hit subscribe. And if you really want to help us, give us a rating. We so appreciate your support. Check out our show notes for more information regarding guest contact information. Chris Maxwell's 11th book, Equilibrium, 31 Ways to Stay Balanced on Life's Uneven Surfaces, is available now at www.chrismaxwell.me or Amazon, where you can find all of Chris's previous books as well. Our featured music is by Casual Americans. You can find their new musical releases at www.casualamericans.com or at your favorite music suppliers. We release Next Steps Leadership each Thursday, so join us again next week on the Next Step Journey, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step.